You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello and welcome to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Connor Park and I'll be taking the host seat place of Hamish Carton this afternoon. He can't join us in person but he's on the line from his house in Presswick. We'll also be joined by Lewis Kemp and Callum Fisher. Plenty to get through this afternoon uh, and we'll start of course with the big kind of news and coming from Celtic with the Europa League exit last night. It was a 2-1 defeat to Dutch side Ajax at Parkhead. And just before we get into the debate about that one, Congratulations to Paul Montgomery. We asked you to tweet in your score lines from last night's game, your predictions, and he got it right with a 2-1 win for the Dutch visitors last night. Credit to him for doing that. But Lewis, it seems to be the same old story when we talk about Celtic. Um, another European failure uh, and just more of the same, really. Where, where does it change? How, how do you feel, obviously? Well, gutted, I assume. Yeah, well, you're completely gutted. I mean... It was just very, very predictable. It was very, very same old, same old. Um, it's it's frustrating now because, I mean, how many times have we sat here, you know, after a, a European defeat, most likely, and um, you know we're talking about how Celtic really started the game well. There's some very good individual performances. Uh, we were all over Ajax. In my opinion, anyway, I think we had the better of the chances. Uh, but then we chuck away, you know, two goals, and they they end up winning the game. And you know, these goals that we chucked away uh, were due to defensive errors. You know, simple mistakes again. And I mean, listen, there can only be so many times that you can say oh, it's just Celtic were very unlucky. I mean, Dyer's record is woeful in Europe. It really, really is. And um, it's just, it's just it's it's very not heartbreaking, but it's it's. It's very like I've said this before. Um, Celtic. I'm not, I don't really feel anger. I just feel apathetic, and I think that's the worst way to feel. Hamish, you were obviously there last night, and it goes down to what I Lewis said. It's, it's individual error, errors that keep catching Celtic out. I mean, you can only blame the manager for so much of that, but there does become a point where he needs to take responsibility. Well, it's. Uh you could argue it's Ronnie Dyler that's brought the players into Celtic that are making these individual errors. I mean, Celtic have uh, conceded 11 goals in the Europa League this season, the group stage, 15 if you add in the two games against uh, Malmo in qualifying for the Champions League. And you're not going to win games and get results when you're conceding that amount of goals. They're actually scoring goals. I mean, scored two at home to Fenerbahce, all right, one last night, one against uh, Molde. I mean, three at home to Malmo, teams like that, but we're just conceding too many. It's simple mistake. I mean, the second goal last night, Scott Allen, who I thought did really well when he came on, I don't know what he and Forrest are doing, taking the corner shot, you've got the big men up, they mucked that up, uh, and I think, I agree with Lewis to a certain extent, I think there was a, an air of res- uh, resignation when that, that second goal went in. We were pushing in that second half, dominated, I agree with Lewis there, uh, but but you always you always felt Ajax were more likely to take the goal rather than Celtic, even though they had the chances with Mulgrew, Semyonovic, Griffiths for that great chance. Um, you always just felt as if the, the Ajax were going to be the team that would take the chance when it came along. 
And Lewis, Lee Griffiths came out this, well, after last night's game and said, you know, blame me for, for this. I didn't take the chances and it's my job. But it's probably not as, as clear cut as that. I mean, you need the whole team. And I suppose in many ways, you, you can't say that they didn't put on a good performance last night because they did. Mm. Um, but it's just looking at it, where do they go? I mean, it's individual errors, but... The big thing for me is the defence. I mean, Ronnie Dallas had time now to get that sorted. He hasn't sorted it. Is he the right man to keep this going? I mean, just going back to what you're saying about Griffiths. I mean, too much has been asked of Griffiths. I mean, he's playing the one striker role in Europe. That I, I just don't get me wrong. I like Griffiths and domestic kind of domestic football, but I, I I just don't know if he's cut out for this level. I really I really don't. I'm not convinced. Um, in terms of the defence, <laughs> I just I. Simunovic uh, has looked very has looked decent in the in the time we've seen him. Um, I, I just think they need that needs to be a settled defence and they need to be playing with each other more often. Get get fifteen twenty games under the belt and see where it goes from there. Um, in terms of Dallas' future, um, I, I've always been on record to say that yes, uh, there's been a lot of problems with Celtic under Dyla, but I still maintain that a lot of the problems that Celtic have, majority anyway, I think are to do with the board. Is that something you go along with, Hamish, in terms of keeping Dyla? And more so, yes, there have been issues, but how much of that blame can you put at, put at his door? Um, it's a tough one, I think, because you look at, as I said earlier, Dyla signs the players, um, whether he's been given enough money to sign the right players is another question. I mean, I think last night is the, the biggest uh, example you need of the fact that Celtic have one striker at the club. You've got Lee Griffiths having probably his worst game of his career. I, mean, I think he said himself, what was the word he used? Like, I was absolutely shocking or something like that. And and still, there was no sign of Chief or anything coming on because you still felt that Griffiths was a better option. I mean, for a club like Celtic to have one good striker. I mean, I know Carlton Cole's there now. I don't think he's going to be brilliant. Um, to have one good striker... Uh, and he's not even, in my opinion, a good European striker. Good European strikers, the likes of uh, going back, the likes of Gary Hooper, the likes of Scott McDonald, um, when when one chance comes along, like it did for Griffiths last night, will take that chance. Griffiths, I think, needs four or five chances to score a goal, and sometimes that's that's fine in, in the, the Scottish League when you're getting all those chances, but when that one chance comes along in Europe for Griffiths, uh, he's, he's often found wanting. You know what really worried me, I think, about last night, and obviously, I mean, it was it was it was almost a microcosm of every game we've played in Europe under dialogue. But the one thing that's worried about me, that worried me, was after sixty minutes, we were out of steam. I just, it's this thing again. People have said a lot about dialogue and his and his fitness and his attitude towards that, and obviously, we all know about Collins, um, his, his past record with stuff like that. But um, you know, this is not the first time that I've thought that Celtic look a wee bit out of steam. I, I just don't know if the fitness is up, and I, that's just—it's it's one of these things. But I, I, I've always kind of felt that in Europe, we seem to kind of lose—I I don't know what it is—but just the fitness doesn't seem to maintain for the full ninety minutes. I suppose in many ways, it can be looked at in a number of different views. At the end of the day, I mean, the results haven't uh, been there, uh, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, because I still think that the Celtic, as a football club, aspire to be further than Europa League. Um, but I dare, to, I dare to say it really, could next year, when you talk about lack of investment, could next year with potentially Rangers coming back into top flight, and I, I don't want to link it too much, 
but could that be the, the, the boost that, that prompts Celtic to go out and, and bring in the right players and spend the money that's needed? Could it be the kick that actually helps them in Europe? Well, it doesn't matter if it is or not. It shouldn't be. We should not have been. We should not be. The last three years, for three or four years, the Rangers haven't been in the league. Should not have been a wasted opportunity. This should have been the chance for us to to leave Rangers behind. Instead, we're going to be dragged back in with them again because the board are they're absolutely clueless. I mean, just going back to AGM, what um, Banker was saying about the fans calling him out for racism. I mean, it's absolute disgrace. It was an absolute disgrace. I mean, the, the guys that run the club are absolutely clueless. They haven't a clue what's going on. Um, I know I'm going on a bit of a rant, but I, I just I don't know. Dio's a fall guy. He's not. I mean, he he's gonna be. He's gonna get the, the majority of blame, and he. I mean, he probably deserves a lot of the blame. De- definitely, I think he's tactical uh, wise. Definitely, last night, I don't think uh, bringing a left back on for the last fifteen minutes was the best idea. Yeah. Um. But you know, again, this is this is a bigger issue. There, there's problems at Celtic, and they're not being addressed. And until that happens, nothing will change. Hamish, do you think this is the the warning sign? I suppose we've seen it all before, really. Which is the biggest probably issue for Celtic fans? Is this? Do you think after last night and, and it being officially confirmed, will it change anything, uh, or or is it kind of uh, an endless kind of cycle for Celtic at the moment of playing in Europe and going out of Europe? I think something needs to change. Uh, you look at it now; the consequences of last night's result means um, meaningless game. Uh, December away in Turkey absolutely meaningless uh, after that our next European game will be assuming Celtic win the league will be a Champions League second round qualifier now Celtic will not I need to check this up but I don't think Celtic will be seeded uh, for all three rounds like they were this year which is a massive massive thing um, I mean you could have Celtic coming up against the likes of Baal or a Red Bull Salzburg who demolished them last year uh, so I mean that, things like that it's an endless cycle you look at that what are the chances Celtic getting into the group stage next year if they're not seeded couldn't even do it this year when they were seeded um, back into the Europa League if that next year uh, and then they get another group like this who's to say they, they won't get another group like this and tumble out again so I think the warning signs I think it's the Boris it's more than warning signs I think a lot of fans last night have just reached the end of their tether I mean as I say, there was just an air of resignation about it. I mean, went into the game, I've never known a negativity around a Celtic game. We went into the game against Barcelona like four years ago in a more positive spirit, thinking we could get a result more than last night. I mean, it was all just... I know there's a lot of injury problems last night, but I mean, a team like Ajax, who I think will be a good side in a couple of years, but they're just at the start of another cycle. And they've got, I mean, the average age of the team, I think I posted, was 22 and a half or something like that. Really young team and still couldn't beat them at home. Lost to them. Hamish, I know uh, it was a frustrating time for yourself. When you talk about people being at the end of their tether, um, I know that myself and you watched an interview this morning from, uh, yeah. I think it was BT Sport. Now, I mean, Ronnie Dyla's comments after the game, it, to me, it did seem like a man. I don't know if you've seen it well. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. it seemed like a man to me that... Uh, didn't really know where he was, what to do, or it just seemed like he kind of lost it a wee bit to me. Is that something that you kind of feels coming, or is, is that maybe a warning sign of what's to come? Um, but what did you make of those comments at the end of the game yesterday? Yeah, I think there's there's two ways um, to to look at it. One is that he's showing fight, that he's, he's not going down quietly, maybe like Tony Mowbray did, someone like that. Um, 
which he did last year when, if you remember, after Hamilton beat Celtic Parkhead, he came out and this whole, after the win at Pataudry, the whole Ronnie Roar and stuff like that, but he was doing it before then, he was doing it at Dens Park after we crashed out of Champions League qualifying, he was getting the fans inside. The difference this time is I don't think he's got the fans inside. I mean, I know personally chatting to a few Celtic fans today uh, about that whole interview last night and the reaction from them was needless. I see that he's, he's angry, but he should be angry with the players rather than the the, the woman uh, journalist interviewing him. Uh, it was, it was, I thought it was needless. Um, I'm all for, for Ronnie Dyla's show and fight, but he needs to do it in the right way by um, by getting the team playing and getting getting results now, which all he can do now, really, is win the treble to save this season, let's be totally honest. I don't know if a double would quite do it. Uh, but for the record, I do think that... Um, Ronnie Dyla will still succeed. Lewis, obviously, Hamish just spoke there about a, a, a domestic treble. Does that cover it? Does that make it all right? I mean, obviously, I, you've made it clear that, that you think there's major issues right across the board at Celtic. Yeah, but yeah. In my opinion, um, looking at it, probably a treble would cover it. It would maybe paper over the cracks slightly until we got back to maybe this situation next year. I, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I've never seen the whole fascination with this, this treble idea. For me, I'd much rather have a, a really decent run in Europe than, than to win the League Cup and the Scottish Cup and, and the League or whatever. Um, just interesting as well, I found out apparently uh, John Collins is doing the press conference today. Yeah. Dial's not doing it. So I think mm-hmm. that, that, that says quite a lot about uh, Dial's feelings after, after yesterday. It isn't, as I say, it's a, it's a kind of fascinating one. You can look at it all in, in many, many different ways, but I suppose the stark reality is that uh, Celtic are, are out of Europe. Just referring quickly to what you said with John Collins, he did do the press conference today. Right. Uh, he came out saying that he wants more time. He was asked, you know, can they lead Celtic into Europe? Well, he says that Celtic coaching team want to be given a chance at, at European football, but he does admit that there are no guarantees anymore that they will get that. So we'll move on then from uh, Celtic and, and European football last night and we'll go straight into the domestic action which kicks off tonight uh, at 7.45, I believe live on BT Sport. Uh, it's St Johnston versus Dundee uh, and probably, a, well, certainly a very tasty one there at McDermott Park. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, I mean, they're two teams that are picking up some results recently. Dundee, not as much as, as St Johnston. St Johnston absolutely flying at the minute and they can move with a win tonight. Uh, level on points with Aberdeen in third and go a point behind Hearts, albeit they would have played a game more. So I'll bring you in, Callum. You've not have not heard from you so far today. Um, so Johnston going great guns at the moment, uh, and, and obviously being at home is probably now a game that, with all due respect, they would want you to win. Yeah, um, obviously it's as you were saying, it's a it's a fairly close um, game in terms of you know. The quality of both sides, I would still... You know, St Johnston, I don't think, have probably got enough credit for for how good they've been this season, how consistent they've been, and now obviously sitting in fourth, what is that, there are three points uh, off, off Aberdeen. Um, and, you know, Dundee have been, I think, have, as I said before, have flattered to deceive this season. Um, but it, it should be a cracking game, and it's it's a great way to kick off the, the action um, in, in the top flight this weekend. It's interesting the comments from Tommy Wright before the game. I mean, you look at it, I mean, the point is they can go uh, eight clear of Dundee tonight with a win. 
and he obviously has it in his mind that Dundee are a team that would quite like to be up and around where St Johnson are because he does say that you know, victory would be great, it would put us uh, eight points ahead, but we need to remember that Dundee United were at one point last season 16 or 18 points ahead of them and they still managed to beat them uh, come the end of the season. So, I mean, it's a chance for them to put in a marker in many ways, Lewis, but uh, still a long, long way to go, but you can't take away any sort of credit. They're, they're a team that are absolutely flying at the moment and doing it on such a small budget as well. I mean, we talk about it, but people think, I don't know, we just credit, credit, credit every week. But for as long as this team's winning, you can't fault them. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, what what's happened at St Johnston in the last, you know, maybe five, five, five or six years or so has been uh, remarkable, really, for a size of their, a club of their size. Um, yeah, I mean, Dund- I mean Dundee are a big team, and really they should be they should be expecting to be in and around that top six area. Um, but you know, St Johnson have definitely defied the critics, and uh, I actually think uh, they'll win tonight. I know the yeah. Hamish yourself, obviously, Dundee had that have had a couple of good results recently, but maybe too too many draws for for Paul Hartley's liking. Um, what, what's your thoughts going on this one tonight? Uh, I fancy St Johnson to win. I mean, you've got. I think you've got to say St Johnson at the moment the way they're playing. Um, Dundee, we can we know we know my stance on them from the past. I think they're actually a team that flatters to deceive quite a lot, quite often. Um, I've seen them. I've seen them once this season, I think, and it was a game at, at New Douglas Park that they, they should have won. They had the better of the play, and they were up against ten men. Um, after Darren McKinnon gets sent off for, for Hamilton for a needless stamp uh, or a kick out, and and they didn't win that game. Uh, I, I just think they're a team that lacks real backbone, uh, which is strange when you look at the players they've got. I mean, like like some Pake and Extra Bigurin at the back as well, uh, and and they can't they can't seem to see out games. Uh, there's no doubt in the quality going forward. I mean, I think it'll be a cracking game tonight. In my opinion, some of the best attackers in the league. I mean. Uh, the likes of Hemmings and Loy, you know, Halloran, um all, all on that, that pitch tonight. I think you're guaranteed a really good game. I just hope there's a good good crowd for it, uh, which I don't know about, because obviously St. Johnson don't really get good crowds, but it's a kind of localish derby. Uh, so I think it'll be a, a good advert for Scottish football with St. Johnson winning by a couple. You'd certainly expect uh, Dundee, with it being the kind of closeness of the game, to take a decent crowd there to McDermott Park. You speak about the firepower that, that Dundee have up front here, which I mean, just going to start there, the matches between these two teams very rarely end nil nil. I think it's only twice in the past thirty meetings between the two teams have a game finished nil nil. So hopefully, if you tune into that one, you'll get a game that very much excites you. And if you're in the area, certainly get along to it. Um, looking just briefly there, <coughs> David Wotherspoon's expected to make the game for St Johnston. Uh, Liam Craig will be uh, out um, for them. And with Dundee, they've been going to be boosting this one with James McPake and Extra Bugerin. Been past fit for the short trip to Perth for uh, Paul Hartley's side. So just before we move on to that game, a quick scoring prediction from all three of you. Start with you, Lewis. I think it'll be 2-1, St Johnston. You, Cal? Um, 3-1, St Johnston. No, sorry, 3-0, St Johnston. 3-0, and Hamish? Yeah, 2-0, St Johnston. So that covers tonight's game then. 
Uh, only Premiership action tomorrow. We've got another four games uh, with Celtic playing Inverness on Sunday. We'll move on to that one just shortly. But we'll start up at Aberdeen. They host Ross County. Another probably very appetising fixture with obviously Ross County doing so well um, in recent weeks. Aberdeen, a slight dip. That should be uh, a close one, I would think. Um, Jim McIntyre's side head up to Petordry for that one. Uh, two points ahead of Hamilton in fifth. Uh, and probably looking to kind of keep that the chase on with St Johnson. Probably one that um, Jim McIntyre will probably concede himself that they're not going to be able to keep up with. Um, but you never know in football. And Hamish, I mean, it's credit that you, you know we're talking about Aberdeen and Ross County being such a tight game to, to how, um, especially Ross County over the past year or so, have improved so much. I mean, probably with this time last year, they were in cut adrift at the bottom of the league still, uh, and they've improved remarkably. And they're going to go up to, to Aberdeen, and that is not going to be an easy game for Derek McInnes. Yeah, well, it's an interesting part of this game, actually. I don't know if you know Ross County's last visit to Petaudry uh, back in February, that was, and they lost 4 0 there. Now, since, since then, they've played 29 league matches and they've lost just eight of those. So, I mean, they're a, they're a team, we talk about them every week, they're a team that is just in a hell of a revival. Uh, they're almost, now you look at them as a top six team. I actually think they'll finish in the top six. We asked the question, well, it must be a couple of months ago now, who out of Hamilton and Ross County is going to be the first to dip? And I think we all felt that it would be Hamilton first, just because Ross County seems to just have a wee bit more about them. Because those two are the big surprise packages this year. Uh, in terms of the game tomorrow, I can see them getting a result, actually. I mean, I don't think Aberdeen, Aberdeen didn't look like anything uh, on Sunday at New Douglas Park. They're still... Still worth pointing out, Aberdeen have more points than they did at this stage last year, and last year they got the record points total, so it's still been a good start in a funny way. It's just after those those eight wins at the start in a row, it's been a bit of a horrific run since then. Uh, tomorrow, I think they'll drop more points. I think Ross County will get a draw. I mean, you look at the league table, and uh, I mean, they could, uh, as I've said, they could move on ahead of Aberdeen, uh, St Johnston there. That would be worrying for, for, for Derek McInnes. I mean, looking at that wee group there, is it, we talk about Hearts and Aberdeen, you know, going for a, a, a challenge for, for second, third, going to win that. Is it conceivable that we could have a third team in there? Um, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one. Um, I'd, I'd say I'd say no. Uh, I I mean St Johnson are the obvious ones, aren't they? But I don't know. I don't know if they've got quite enough. Uh, they're going through a good run at the moment. I just think that when they're on their good runs. They're still not quite as good as Hearts and Aberdeen in their good runs. I mean, Hearts and Aberdeen have, uh, on on their good days, they both started, they won their first six games each. Aberdeen won their first eight. I don't think St. John's are quite capable of that kind of run. I also don't think St. Johnson are quite capable of grinding out the results that Hearts and Aberdeen can on maybe slightly poorer days, albeit the fact Aberdeen have been in a poor run at the moment. Uh, no, I think I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be miles away, but I think it'll be between Hearts and Aberdeen for second place. And I think uh, I think Hearts will actually edge that. I think the key thing is that both Hearts and Aberdeen are currently on. Obviously, more so Aberdeen, but currently on kind of poor runs. Uh, Hearts are tactically. I think Nielsen's been a wee bit suspect in the last few weeks. You know, he's he's chucking away leads and making you. Know, uh, Kind of strange subs, kind of subs, uh, and in terms of Aberdeen, obviously, you know, we've talked about them uh, defensively. They've been a shambles the last couple of weeks, so um, you know, I, I do expect both of them to go back to kind of normal almost. And uh, I think when that happens, I, 
I, I don't think St. John's are able to keep uh, keep on the coattails. Okay, then finally, just before we move on from that game, score prediction from the three of you, something you can. Two one Aberdeen. I think County win. Actually, I actually think we're one 0 County. And you, Hamish? I think it'll be one 0 One 0 Again, another one of those games probably can't very much pick between the two teams. Um, we move then on to another game on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff. It's Dundee United versus Hamilton at Tannadice. Dundee United completed the signing today of Cinema Pongol. Um, they hope to have international clearance in time for him to play um, against Hamilton on Saturday. And of course, Guy Demel is obviously expected to make his debut as well. Um, but are these the sort of signings, Lewis, that, that can turn the United season, do you think? Well, obviously time will tell. Um, I did make the point when uh, Mixu got the job, I thought he needs almost a few a few of his own players in uh, in order for things to kind of change for United because, you know, at the moment I, I still feel, although they've got, you know, almost at the spine of a good team, I'd say, there's still a lot of uh, passengers, I feel, on that team. Uh, so if he can sort it out, uh, I think maybe this could be the time that he'll get it, but uh, I mean this is a this is a very tough game uh, for him. Yeah, I know they're at home, and you know obviously the the United faithful would kind of be expecting something, but you know Hamilton a very very uh, good side, and uh, it'll be it'll be difficult for them. I mean the only th- weakness I'd see with Hamilton is their uh, is, is, is up front scoring goals, but apart from that, I think they're a very very solid team. Calm, do you see this as one where? Then United can pick up points and try and close that gap at the bottom of the league. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, Hamilton are again one of these teams that have kind of they've started well and now they're starting to get to get the, the praise you would say they deserve. But they've gone under the radar a wee bit. Um, and Dundee United haven't really shown any any real signs of improving uh, so far. Um, but at home, I, I mean Hamilton. I think the the problem with Hamilton is that you're not really sure if they can score enough goals to keep them uh, in that top six position. Um, and, and Dundee United really need to start somewhere. Uh, and at home to Hamilton, I, I think it's one of these games where you can maybe just see them taking something off Hamilton uh, at the weekend. But just on, just picking up on something you were talking about there about the, the obviously bringing in new players, Cinema Pongo and Guy Demel. You know, they're obviously free transfers, so. You're, you're placing a heavy reliance on them to have kept their, their own fitness up um, and, and if they haven't played for for a certain amount of time now that we're, we're almost halfway through the season it might take them a wee while to adjust and, and to get back into it so I don't think United fans and I, I'm sure they're, they're not after you know the way some of their, signing, their summer signings have done are can expect them to, to be sort of have an instant impact and instantly make things better but I mean they are in terms of for them to get those players in the position they're in, I think I think they've done well, but I think it will take time. Um, but uh, two two positive signings, I think. Um, but you know, it it just depends really how long it takes them to to fit in at United. It's certainly clear that that Mixu Patlin is going for experience. Um, with those signings, also the, the Japanese goalkeeper who they're trying to get yeah. in with the international players having major issues. I mean, I saw Cinema Pongo uh, on Tuesday night uh, playing as a trialist for Dundee United um, for the under 20s uh, against Falkirk. Um, and, you know, you could you could see um, he looked a very so- solid player up front. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, you could tell he was older because the way he played the game. Um, I think. 
looking at his performance that night, it was good. But I would say I do agree with what Callum was saying in terms of it maybe needs a couple of games still at that level just to get him fully up to speed because Hamilton. Um, and I, I take it specifically looking at Saturday's game. You know, like their team like to play it quickly. Uh, they've got like some nippy players like your Dougie Emery's, your Ali Crawford's, um, uh, and even like at the back, you've got centre backs who, who play with the ball, like your Garcia Terras, uh, and they're all going to be back. And I think there was slight doubts over over Crawford and and Tena with injuries, but they'll be in on Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see. It just certainly shows that he feels actually required, and it's interesting that he's making it the move just now. Um, Guy Demel was was there on, on Tuesday. He didn't play, but I mean, even you look at the build of him, he's a, a rock solid, you know, you know, player who will add a bit of steel, and maybe that's what they need because I don't think anyone's ever doubted with Dundee United that, that going forward there's there's skill and there's attack and Kenzie. You've got Billy McKay who on his day could can hammer goals in, uh, and some of the younger players I've got pace, I've got skill, uh, and can do completing the ball without any issues but it's adding that steeliness to a team that's, that's sunk low I mean it's interesting the comments that, that, that Guy Demel has, has made since he came and he said I'm joining a team with a lot of quality in the last couple of days I've seen young players with a lot of quality the gap is not big there are a lot of games left but we have to come out of the situation quickly Hamish not really spoke to you on, on this one certainly you look at the signings you look at the position um, there's only one way that Dundee United could, can look do you think this is a weekend where they can put a bit of pressure on Motherwell, who I believe are playing Hearts, I think. So yeah. you'd be looking at maybe, without being disrespectful, Hearts winning that one. It probably has a chance that they can maybe close that gap. It's a big chance. You've also got Kelly playing Partick, two more teams that are down that end of the table. So I think it's these kind of weeks that Dundee United need to, to take advantage and, and get the wins in this, this kind of match. Uh, even uh, sorry, Especially when they're at home to... To Hamilton, I mean the the big problem with, with Dundee United is a very simple problem: a they're not scoring goals, and b they're conceding loads. They've only kept two clean sheets all season, and they've won both of those matches. So I mean that that tells you a lot. Uh, if you can keep the goals out, um, they will invariably win matches. The other problem is under Mixi Patalainen, they've they've scored two goals since he's come in, conceded thirteen. So I mean that that tells you where the problems are as well. Whether these signings, I rate the boy uh, Guy Demel from the, oh, used to play for West Ham, I rate him. Uh, he's a good player. I've actually seen him play against the likes of Arsenal and teams like that and looked good. So just whether his hunger's there, but if those quotes are attributed to him, I mean, that shows that he's, he's up for the fight and he's not just here to, to you know, spend a year in Scottish football. He wants to achieve something. Uh, the problem with, with sending him up on goal for me would be, I mean, you look at his scoring record from his career, he doesn't tend to score goals. If you take out the, the two-year period he had with Recreativo in Spain, where he scored 22 goals for them, the highest he scored for any other club's five goals, and that was in the space of three years at Atletico Madrid. So he hasn't he hasn't a goal scorer, really, but he, he must have something about him to have played for the likes of Atletico Madrid and Liverpool in the past. Um, so I don't know. Uh, if you say you saw him and you can see he was a good player, that's fair enough. I just wouldn't be wouldn't be rushing out to to say that a player like him he's a big name I think for a couple at Dundee United but I don't think he's going to be the the night that that saves the day and keeps him up. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I mean, I, as I say, I, I could see the quality there. Um, I, I do go along with that though. What you're saying, I don't, I didn't see a player in there likes of that. I thought, oh, you, you're going to get goals. Um, 
I think he'll add a lot of other things to play, but it doesn't seem like a kind of an outstriker. Maybe the idea is that with somebody with the quality of Billy Mackay in there, that uh, he can kind of complement that quite well. We'll just quickly look at Hamilton. It's an interesting one they kind of sit in because they're on 19 points, sixth in the table. But, I mean, there's seven points off St. Johnson. Now, that that's well unachievable for them, I, I think. But there are only five ahead of Motherwell. They kind of sit in kind of no man's land because a couple of wins they could be right up and about, but a couple of losses and, and they could very conceivably be down um, in a battle at the bottom. Do you think that's something that will be worrying? Um, like Sir Martin Canning just now, performances maybe don't suggest a team that are likely to get dragged into it, but a still a long, long way to go. Could could Hamilton be a team that, that, that get dragged into the relegation playoffs, Lewis? Um. See, I mean, this was kind of suggested last week by a few folk, obviously because of the points difference and that. Um, I still think Hamilton have a lot of quality in their team. I think the key thing for them is holding on to guys like Ali Crawford, um, and, you know, Kutaj, guys like guys like them who you know, um, obviously they don't want a repeat of last year because that's what really. I mean, that's why they lost so many games. It's because of, you know they lost the spine of the team, they lost the manager. And it's setting them in, in free fall pretty much. So, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question in kind of two ways. Um, if Hamilton keep the key players, then there's no chance they'll be relegated. But if they they don't, then I think there is a good chance they they could be down there. I think probably the main thing for me is last year they had probably a wee bit more of a gap to the lower end of the league than at this time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, what what happens there. Hamish, hey, you've obviously maybe seen a wee bit of Hamilton this year. Um, they had a good a good performance at Aberdeen, and that's the thing, you can't take that away from them. They are putting in solid performances against the top teams in the league, but there is probably still, mathematically anyway, that danger that they could be sucked in. Of course there is, I. I mean, the, the key thing, or the key, the key thing you need to do as a team uh, at that level in the Premiership is that you need consistency. Hearts had it at the start of the season, Aberdeen had it at the start of the season, uh, St Johnson have found it recently, and you see where those teams are in the league, it's the teams who can find this consistency that are down the bottom, uh, or, the, or the bottom six anyway, I think um, Hamilton, I mean you look at the players, I think there's not been much made of Ali Crawford uh, been missing, who's probably the best player at the start of the season, I don't know, is he, is he close to coming back? He's likely to be back in for the weekend. Right. Well, that, that's a big thing for them. I mean, he's, he's probably, the, as I say, their top player. But I think they're, they're a good team when you look at them. They've got the big, the big boy Morris up top. I think he's a cracking player. He can hold the ball in. You've got Kurtai one side, Emery on the other side. Uh, the defence is solid as well. I like uh, Taglia Pietra as well at the back. Um, but you just... I mean, they're a really they're a good side on paper. I think Hamilton, but the same way, I could see things going slightly wrong for them this season. I hate to be the voice of doom or whatever for Hamilton fans, but I've just I've got a small thing at the back of my mind thinking it's all going to go wrong. It's all going to go wrong, and Hamilton could find themselves in uh, a big relegation scrap later on in the season. Very interesting stuff. There, but time will tell, I suppose. I mean, yeah. I do think a lot of it comes down to down to January. Um, Alex Neal's already said that he's going to assist um, if need be and, and, and send up his young starlets from uh, from Norwich. I've, I can probably predict one of them just now. Um, that'd, be, that'd be the, the £1 million player for last year. I, I think so. Um, yeah. Something tells me. 
nothing, honestly, not, not from anything that I know, but Hamilton will already be aware of him. Um, Martin Canning will already be aware of, of Conor McGrandles and, and what he can offer. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him come back up to Scotland and maybe loan spell. Although, the only thing is, it does. it's one thing saying you're going to help out, but I get the impression that these English teams would much rather send them to like, say, League 1 and League 2 in England than send them up here. That's probably a different debate for another day. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, as I said, Hamilton won these ones. They're in that kind of no-man's land just now, but, but time will tell. So we'll move on to another Premiership fixture of the weekend. Second last, well, second last one on Saturday, uh, we've got Kilmarnock against Partick Thistle. A real kind of six-pointer there. Only two points in the team just now. We speak about Kilmarnock kind of picking up um, after a dreadful start. Well, they can find themselves uh, in 10th position um, with a win, uh, sorry, a defeat for, for them on Saturday. Partick Thistle will be looking to go on top of them uh, and it really will tighten things up there at the weekend depending on that result. I mean, it's a tough one to predict again. Um, but probably, if you're looking at two teams, part of this will probably be slightly more confident at the moment, Callum. Uh, for me, yeah, I think, I mean, Kilmarnock obviously coming off that result last week at Parkhead and then and, and Partick having to go there isn't easy. Um, I think, for me, it's, it's difficult on Partick Thistle because we go from, from week to week to, be, to not really being sure about them. Um, it doesn't help, I think, the fact that you've got a team down there that has been so bad in Dundee United and a team like Motherwell that is that seems to be kind of steadily getting worse. Um, and, and, you know, so I think that kind of hinders any real judgment on Partick Thistle. For me, this game, I think... They'll, they'll struggle simply because I think Kelly will be on such a high from from that uh, result at Parkhead uh, last week, um, and I think and I think this will, will struggle at the weekend. Lewis, how do you see that one going tight? I would assume. Uh, well, it's a real kind of as you said, a big a real six pointer. Um, I mean, for Kamarnock, it's, it's, it's the chance to to get to get away from this relegation battle. It really is. Um, uh, both teams coming coming off positive results at the weekend. Um, I see Kilmarnock getting the result here. Um, I, I, I I say this every week, and you know I, I think you know we've all kind of talked about how negative we are in Thistle, but um, I'm only speaking from experience of what I've seen from them this season and two games I've seen them uh, against Falkirk and against Celtic, albeit early on in the season, but. Um, I've not been particularly impressed with them. Uh, I've seen Kilmarnock when they were at probably at the very worst uh, when they played Motherwell at the kind of start of the season. I've seen them kind of recently as well, um, and I think they're a much changed side. Uh, I actually said that at the start of the year. I thought a big thing was um, almost kind of fitness, maybe in some ways, but like just uh, get the team, the players to gel. And I think we found that actually because that there was a significant improvement after every kind of international break um, with with Kilmarnock. Um, so, you know, in saying that, uh, it is a very tough one to call, but I think Kilmarnock will just edge it. Hamish, you can look at those two teams and say they have made Im- improvements over recent kind of weeks, and but and they have got better. And I suppose it comes down to this kind of team unity and, and, and fitting a, a system that works to win matches. But you can't deny they are still very much in a rut at the bottom. There, the two of them in that kind of tight group, and three points for either side on Saturday would be massive. Yeah, it's an absolutely massive game, actually, when you look at it in terms of that basement battle. Uh, it's a very difficult game to call, actually, because 
you look, you look at both sides and you, you think of their good days. Kilmarnock with a draw at part of last week, beating St. Johnson uh, what, a month ago. Uh, other good results Kelly have had. And then you look at Partick, who are also on an up at the moment. A terrific win for them last week. And before then, also beating St. Johnson, actually. Uh, so, I mean, it, it's a tough one because you look at both sides. They're, they're probably in the lower lower half of the league, as you judge the teams. But the winner, the winner tomorrow takes a, a giant step probably towards the top six, the way results are going to go with a lot of the, the top teams playing the lower teams. And you'd expect the top teams, the likes of uh, Hearts and Celtic, to win this weekend. It could, could be a massive three points for either team that wins it. Uh, I do fancy Partick to get the win tomorrow, though. Is that something you can cover with the scoring predictions from you two in here? Uh, I think it'll be Kilmarnock and the win. Uh, 2-1 2-1 I'll agree with that 2-1 Kilmarnock And the final game on Saturday in the Premiership sees Motherwell host Hearts Motherwell another team that really are struggling at the moment Mark McGee was brought in but they haven't quite managed to find defeat that winning kind of formula yet probably expecting signs in January but I don't think I'd be too outspoken if I said here that I think the vast majority of us would be expecting a Hearts win on Saturday Lewis Uh, For me it's Hearts game to lose uh, and I think a, a couple of the games in the last few weeks have also kind of followed a similar pattern. Um, Hart's problem recently for me has been Nielsen's uh, tactical kind of substitutions and his and, and his and the kind of way they've been playing um, his decisions during the match because I think they've been quite suspect. Um, you know, in terms of Motherwell, I think they'll have a few uh, key players back. I'm not sure exactly who'll be back. I can maybe uh, find that out first corner, but. Um, for, again, one of these teams that I think it might just might have to wait until January to to get things kind of sorted, uh, and because of that, I, I do I do still I, I'm wary to say that Hearts will win this comfortably, but at the end of the day, I, I just I, I still think that even with the mistakes that have been made in the past few weeks, I, I still think they'll they'll win it. I think it'll be a two 0 Hearts. Well, you're you're right with what you say there, Lewis. The- Steve McMahon has turned right. from suspension. Yeah. Uh, Keith Lasley and Steve Hamill are also kind of back from Knox. Um, Lionel Ainsworth as well, uh, just reading over previews here that he's missed training early part of the week, but he should be fine. So, I mean, it is a, a boost going this one, Hamish, uh, for Motherwell, but still one that I assume you're predicting Hearts to win? Yeah, I think uh, the way Hearts are playing at the moment. Bit of a setback for them last week with that, that draw against Dundee, a game that we all predicted Hearts to win, which is it's not often that we all agree that a team other than South Korea Rangers is going to win a game of football, and last week was one of those occasions, so I mean, for Hearts not to win that game against Dundee, I think, was a blow this week, I can't see them, them doing the same again, I don't think they're well are a, I don't think they're a good side at all, actually uh, I think you look at their, their team and I, I do I do like their side I like the players they've got, and I think they could be a good team I just don't think they've got the right manager. I don't think they had the right manager at the start of the season with Barraclough. I don't think they've got the right manager now. I just uh, I fear for Motherwell. I said last year, uh, last week, sorry, that I think they will be the bottom team. I know we had a bit of uh, abuse from our, our first time listener, Katie the goalie on Twitter. But uh, sorry, sorry, Katie again. Uh, but I think uh, I think Motherwell will lose this weekend, and I think they will be the the team that is relegated to the championship this year. Interesting stuff. I mean, talk about Motherwell having players back. Hearts poor result against Dundee last week. Maybe could be attributed to not having one mark up front. He was suspended. But he'll be back for this one. 
and for me, again, personally, all roads lead to a Hearts, a hearts victory there. Uh, the final game in the Premiership this weekend, and dare I say it, a must-win for Celtic, Ronnie Dyla needs to go up to Inverness on Sunday lunchtime and take all three points, I would think. Um, but, I mean, considering that he's got this kind of pressure around him now, it's really not an easy place to go at all, is it, Lewis? No, and uh, this is a this is a really really interesting matchup um, because Inverness have struggled against you know a lot of the weaker sides in the league. Obviously, losing last week against Partick Thistle, you know, they've lost against Motherwell, they've lost against a lot of the poorer sides, kind of bottom six sides. But they've also had fantastic results against the likes of Aberdeen and Hearts. Um, I really think if Celtic are going to slip up, it could be Sunday. Uh, this is a, a very very interesting tie. Um, and it'll be hard to see how it'll go. Obviously, I mean, people always make the thing about, oh, because Celtic have played in Europe League on Thursday, you know, is it going to affect them? I don't think that's going to be a factor at all, but I think uh, we have to be very wary of Inverness, who are always up for these big games. Hamish, hey, is that something you can cover with? Yeah, I think Inverness will, uh, are a team that, that raise their game, for the, their game for the big matches. You saw that in the Scottish Cup run last year. Uh I think it's quite similar. It'd be interesting to actually see Celtic's record this year after European games, because I think it would actually be surprisingly good. I mean, the game that springs out was another game in the Highlands a couple of weeks ago. That was after the Molde defeat, and Celtic travelled up to his Dingwall and won pretty comfortably 4-1. So I think I think it'll be something similar to that on Sunday. Uh, I, I think Celtic will win by a few, but I don't think it'll change anything with regards to the fans feeling towards Dyla I mean <laughs> Celtic's just a team at the moment where I think it's probably frustrating because in my opinion despite Inverness being uh, a, a very decent team I don't think Celtic in my uh, again my own opinion but I don't think they'll have too many problems uh, and they'll probably make it look fairly straightforward um, John Hughes will, will of course have a kind of other other ideas and he'll look to get in about I mean I always remember he always used to say, you know, we've got nothing to fear um, when he was with Falkirk, when he was playing teams like Celtic and Rangers. He wanted his team to go out and play the football the same way they would when they were playing bottom league, as in a kind of open, expansive way to try and uh, and get results. There's been a bit of controversy, obviously, in recent times with Inverness with the situation with Daniel Lopez. I believe, looking at it, he's going to stay despite being fined by the club. But that's something that maybe shows a manager's character. Uh, to go out there and to publicly, you know, put this disciplinary action out into the press, out in the public, you know, we're suspending this, we're not accepting it. It's a big call, but one that probably looks quite favourably on John Hughes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he said that last week on Sports Team, which I found kind of interesting, was that, you know, I think he was kind of talking about what what his tactics would be if he was facing the old firm. Uh, and, he, and he was always like that. Uh, we don't want to concede an early goal, and you want to still be in the game come you know, 60, 70, 80 minutes. And if you do that, you've, you've always got a chance because you're going to be given chances in the game. You know, you're always going to have one of these chances. If you can take one of those chances, then you know anything can happen. So um, you know, again, I, I, I don't know. I do have a wee feeling about this game that if Celtic are going to slip up, it really could be here. Again, I mean, it's strange because in many ways I couldn't really argue against that. Uh, the way Celtic are at the moment, I just think there's a wee bit too much uncertainty. And saying that, though, my own nervousness or prediction would be a Celtic winning and fairly straightforward. Um, maybe not quite hitting what the heights that they would have done uh, in, in recent years. Just to wrap up kind of premiership action, you know, then scoreline predictions from all three of you, Callum, first. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Celtic go there um, and do their business 
efficiently and, and win the game. I'll go three one Celtic. Bruce. Um, one each. One each, and, and Hamish, just finally from you. Yeah, I think Celtic will win comfortably, but you're always going to uh, you're always going to give the opposition a goal at the way the defence is playing at the moment with individual mistakes. So I think it'll be uh, same as Callum three one Celtic. So that wraps up the preview to this weekend's Premiership action. Plenty of games spread across the weekends, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So as I say, we always do say it here, get yourself out to one of the games if you're in the area. Uh, certainly plenty of interesting fixtures with a lot, a lot of meaning behind them. This is the point where we say goodbye to our usual host, Hamish. He's off to work uh, before we start previewing the Championship action. Thanks very much for joining us, Hamish. No worries, guys. All the best. Um, we're going to the kind of weekend's kind of championship teams. They are obviously out of league action. Uh, this is the point we usually talk about the battles at the top and those teams that are, are going to be challenging. But they get a kind of break for, for Hibs do anyway. Rangers are in action in the Petrofac Cup. We'll start with that one. Uh, they are against the fellow championship opposition in St Mirren. That one is live on Saturday afternoon on BBC Alba. It's the semi-final of the Petrofac Cup and, and Callum Fisher certainly won that a competition Rangers are finally looking to try and win. Yes, it would be nice to finally <laughs> to finally win it after uh, three attempts. Um, I think what we're looking for tomorrow is an improvement from last week. I still think we were we should have won the game uh, last week if if we'd taken our chances. But to me, it's as I say, I want to win every competition that we're in, um, and I think that tomorrow we should be looking to. Do, to you know, to do the business really at St Martin, um obviously are, are sort of they seem to go from they kind of play well and get a decent result to then to then back to the, the sort of same old that we've same old, same old that we've expected from them this season. So you know, you never really know what St Martin team you're gonna get, but certainly against Rangers they've they've actually done okay uh, this season I think. Um so I don't think it'll be an easy game but being back at Ibrox and I think the I hate to use the term wake up call because it was a it was a term that the players like Lee McCulloch and Ricky Foster seemed to love last season. But I think it was maybe a, a, a and I not that I not that I don't believe that you know the manager and, and the players didn't know this already. But it was kind of a, a just a reminder that you know teams are gonna teams are gonna do their best against us because we have this reputation. Of being of, of of how we play and being the best team in the league, so it's just a, a reminder that you know it's not going to be easy this season, and and we need to step it up or we're, we're going to get caught out. Um, but you're you're always expected to kind of to to have games like we did uh, last week, so it's no major concern. But you know, I'm really I'm really looking forward to the game tomorrow actually, and um, I, I really hope that we we see an improvement. I mean, people often talk down this tournament and. You know, with it being only teams that are in the kind of bottom three leagues of Scotland, but at the end of the day, it's a final, um, and it's a day out for the fans and a day out for the players in many ways because it's away from the pressure of a battle at the top of the league or at the bottom, whether it be St Mirren or Rangers, uh, and it's something that even Martin Wycorn spoke about this week. You know, said the prospect of getting to a final is a huge thing for me. If we could win it, we'd be my first final that I've played in, so I'm really looking forward to it. You know. People just you don't often hear that talking about the Petrofac Cup, but I think it's a tournament that, in its own right, has its own credits. Um, and obviously, for Rangers fans, another final that they want to get to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, for Rangers to take this anything other than seriously, um, I think would be would be wrong. First off, and I think it, it would show 
it, it maybe wouldn't it wouldn't go in line with the way the club's been run at the moment and and the philosophy of the people we have in charge and and Warburton as manager and things like that. So as I say, the the players seem determined, and uh, I mean obviously St. Martin will be desperate. I think to get to a final because I think they could do with any positive sort of you know news or whatever um, that they can get. But as I say, I want Rangers to win everything that we play in, no matter what it is. So. For me, it's a, it's a big game. It's a semi-final. Okay, it's not, as you say, maybe the most glamorous of competitions, but it's still it's still something that we we should win, and and, and really we should have won before this stage. I mean, talk about uh, the kind of glamour of a final. I actually think, and I think we a lot of credit here that the promoters that, that do back Petrofac, the Petrofac Cup, sorry, deserve a lot of credit because I do think they they reach out to smaller teams and and create a kind of atmosphere in about it. We seen it last year. Uh, where the final was Livingston against Alwa. Not a great crowd. No. But I think one thing I came away looking at that game was it was these teams did get their big day. You know, they got the full kind of pre match thing. There was the fireworks of the day, you know, there was even stupid things like the, the confetti. That could easily be avoided for a, a tournament that is again not the most glamorous in Scottish football. But um at the end of the day for St Mirren in particular this is the, a chance even for Ian Murray-Lewis to, to put a marker down and say you know, this might be where our season turns. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is I, I'd argue this is huge for both teams. Um, obviously for Rangers, this is the fourth time of asking to win this tournament. Um, for me, it's simply not good enough that they haven't done it by now. But, you know, they have a chance to rectify that on Saturday. Uh, in terms of Mirren, I mean, I, I genuinely can't see anything past the Rangers win on Saturday. But, you know, it would be a huge, huge boost. And let's not forget as well that, you know, Spinner's best uh, performance of the season was at Ibrox earlier on in the season. Uh, and he came very close to almost getting a result there. So, um, you know, it wouldn't be too surprising to see uh, St. Minnan, you know, uh, run Rangers close. But, uh, no, I, I fully expect Rangers to win uh, the tie. Which is what you are saying uh, before there about the... The uh, attendance last year, I think that was more so to do with the kind of size of the clubs involved. You know, Livingston are you know a huge club. They've seen it with their attendances this year, and our as well are, are definitely in that kind of five hundred kind of club region where they have a kind of core support of about five hundred, and then the way support will kind of bring this up. So it's not all surprising that it was very poor. But I, I do agree with you what you say. I think the the sponsors have done a lot to kind of promote it. Very well, and, and I, I think uh, I do like the Petrofac Cup. It comes in a lot of kind of criticism, but um, I think it's a worthy uh, inclusion in the Scottish football calendar. I, mean, I think the thing is, you talk about attendance. I mean, whether it's St Mirren or Rangers, there will be a decent crowd there because one of those those two teams have got the ability to carry a decent support. Obviously, for St Mirren, that a decent support. You maybe talk about six, seven thousand to a final like that. Obviously, Rangers, you're talking into twenty thousand, maybe depending on what stadium it was at or how it can be played. We've got to remember, of course, it was back at Easter Road when they played Wraith Rovers. But certainly, I think um, maybe having one of those two teams in the final kind of gives the competition that kind of the credit that it deserves in many ways. That you're going to have two of the bigger names in Scottish football, if you like, um, in there. Man, no stranger to top flight. Just looking over Ian Murray's comments going into this one, it's a kind of interesting tact he's taken because obviously he made those very yeah. strong remarks in midweek, something that we'll come on to just shortly. In his preview of this game, he said that... I think he apologised, didn't he? He has he since apologised. He said, you know, Rangers are really strong, they'll be favourites, but we were boosted by a fantastic last-minute goal at Wraith Rovers in midweek. 
Now that's very interesting personally for me. And I can see the perplexed look yeah. on your perplexed look on your, on your face, Lewis, because. Yes, it was a great strike. I think it was a free kick that was worthy of, of winning any game. Never mind just getting a point. Um, but you have to look at it and say it did only get St Mirren a point at Wraith Rovers. Now, no disrespect to Wraith Rovers, who have done really well recently. But to be kind of heralding a last-minute goal to, to equalise yeah. against a team at the start of the season you would have said would have been below you, maybe is a, a kind of strange way to go about this one for me, Fian Murray. I can agree with you. Um, I mean, the kind of weird thing I thought about the game. Obviously, the fans were booing after it. You know, I mean, it's obviously kind of contradicting what what, what the fans are thinking and what um, you know Murray kind of thought after the game. Um, you know, to, to be fair, um, I do think there's been maybe a bit of an overreaction for a lot of fans. Um, you know, everyone knows men and have not been good enough. You know, this year, but I don't know if. The tipping point is exactly a, a one each draw with Wraith Rovers. You know, you know, Wraith are a very, a very, very decent side. And even if St Mirren were going for the playoffs, it's still, you know, you still say that's a very tough game for them. You know, you no matter uh, when it was. So, um, you know, I, I don't see the game as a, as a sign that you know St Mirren, There's no way back for them now. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting these comments. I think it's quite right what you say. I mean. If you look at St Mirren's league position, any of the teams round about them would bite your hand off to go to Starts Park and get a point. It's just that St Mirren shouldn't be where they are. But yeah. maybe they need to accept that they are where they are and and going to places like uh, Starks Park and getting a point maybe isn't a bad result, considering only two weeks before they got cut 3-0 when they went to Falkirk, who at that stage in time were neck and neck with Wraith. So um, it's certainly interesting and it's one that's probably got a long, long way to go. Um I kind of leave that game itself there because I don't doubt that depending on what happens they will come back to that on Monday but we will go to another talking point we're in just today it was of course the AGM uh, I think it was Clyde Auditorium was it? Yes um, The big big news to come out of that is that Rangers have reversed the decision have gone back on their original the, statement the, the big news is that Rangers aren't in FIFA <laughs> well, that's the one. Uh, I mean, come on. You've got your club and just coming out of a kind of financial mess and and making positive steps, has to be said. But I'm sure that FIFA 16 is not the main priority for Dave King and, and the rest of the Rangers board at the moment. Uh, but anyway, as I say, the big decision to come out of that this morning is that they will um, they've reversed the decision. They will now pay back a £5 million loan from shareholder Mike Ashley, um, Sports Direct. Uh, it goes back on a lot of what's been said before, but I think the comments have made that it only took like an hour to get the cash to come up, but it's yes. something they can afford to do. So, Callum Fisher, you'll know more about this than myself or Lewis in many ways. How how does that one go for you? Um, it's it's interesting. I was I was one of a lot of Rangers fans that doesn't still doesn't want to give Mike Ashley anything, um, but if. I fully trust in this board that if it's the right, th- they feel it's the right thing to do. Um, then you know it's the right thing to do. I mean, King himself just just reading through sort of some of the stuff that was said at the AGM um, has said that the club's in, in in a strong position and hence why they can afford to do this. So you know that's good. It also means that we get our securities back of Auchinhowie, which is the, the training centre. Um, the Albion car park as well, um, and I believe sort of the the trademarks that he, that he owned are now returned to Rangers as well. So, you know, it, it's good in that regard. And obviously, there's still a long way to go with with hopefully getting Ashley out of Rangers and and hopefully 
soon, you know, but I doubt it will be soon given, you know, but the kind of news the past couple of days in terms of, you know, the court stuff being pushed back to sort of the start of next year. Um, but it, it, it's 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 a positive, I suppose. Um, one thing I would like to mention as well is the fact that, on, just because it kind of continues on the topic of Mike Ashley, with the, the first question came from Craig Houston, the Sons of Struth, and uh, obviously due to sort of legal action by Mike Ashley, the Rangers board can't really tell us anything about what's in those contracts, but... What he what he stressed was what Craig Houston stressed, and I think he was given a round of applause for this was was to not buy anything, any of the retail, any strips or things like that. And I would hopefully hopefully any Rangers fans that are listening to this anyway would would be sort of clued into the the campaign online to to make sure that sports don't do that. But I would just like to restress that point that you know there are other avenues to give the club money um, besides buying buying strips and things like that. And right now none of it goes to the club, so. This is kind of a side point to that. I noticed you said it as well because I don't know. I mean, I, I'll be honest and say that probably, probably with my own ignorance, I've, I've kind of not paid too much attention to the latest goings on uh, with that because the case it just seems to roll and roll. And to be honest, I can't keep up with it. Um, Your own club to think of it. Well, exa- exactly. Like some people on Twitter. Um, I just you've you've made you've I noticed you said it as well, and Dave King said it this morning, and it's just this is my own interest here. Why are people saying Auckland Howie and not Murray Park? Because a lot of people hold David Murray as responsible for the mess that we were in, just as much as they do Craig White or Charles Green or anybody like that. Um, and I'm one of the people that believes, uh, as again, sort of as many that he that he shouldn't, there shouldn't be, he should, it shouldn't be called Murray Park because the, the the man after what's happened really shouldn't have a legacy at Rangers. But that's just my kind of own opinion. Take it away from that kind of. And it's, sorry, <laughs> just sorry, and it is called uh, Auckland How like the the actual complex. The kind of, uh, that negative aspect of it. It was a largely positive morning, I think. Um, overall, there's definitely improvements. I don't think anybody that was there at that top table would be naive enough to say that the job's done because it's oh, not. No, definitely not. Uh, I think that was a big statement that came out this morning that. You know, there's still a long, long way to go, but certainly as a, as a supporter, um, but also someone who has, has looked at it a lot, you must be pleased with the way things are going. It, it does, I say this with kind of bated breath, but it does maybe quite seem that things are, are, are on the up, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, things are things are going well. Uh, I feel obviously there's, as we were just talking about, there's issues tying out, but I don't feel like that should overshadow the fact that. For the large part, as you say, it was very positive. Um, aside from maybe the FIFA 16 question, there were a lot of positive questions. I think it was a pies question as well, but the price of pies. But, yeah, you know, there was one at Celtic's AGM as well. Yeah, these things are important to, to people. So, um, but no, it, it was positive, and I, as I say, I've said before, it's just it was actually one of the the guys um, RFC Rab on Twitter. He's the the head of comms, I think, or something like that on Twitter, and he put up just. A picture of the AGM this year, and then a picture of the sort of ten, the gazebo. Yeah, that thing. Thi- we, we did a, a similar thing. Yeah, before, that thing. Page. It just kind of shows <coughs> where the club was and where it's at, um, and 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 you know, it's just it's the things like that that just show people like myself and, and other supporters that the club's in the right hands. And just one more thing, quickly coming out of the AGM, the fact that we're going to. The living wage. Yeah, the living yeah. wage is, is absolutely fantastic, and uh, full credit to to Dave King and everybody else at, at the club for for implementing that. It's obviously a, a, another positive step, and we'll move back to football 
I mean, as expected, there was no kind of negativity around Mark Warburton's speech. His bit, I mean, it was very credible. I think that he, he took the time to acknowledge the, the, the kind of backroom staff, Davy Weir, and and probably those that he's gotten about them. It, he's the man that has to stand up there. Um, and and as I say, it's all right when the going's good to stand up there and get around the applause. He'll be all too aware though that. You know, in two months' time, if it happens in our head, it might not have got that same reception. But at least just now, uh, it was a, a positive morning. Certainly, there's not many complaints about the way the team's playing or uh, how things are going on the park because I think there's an acknowledgement that you're in, a, you're in the title race. But um, it's one that a lot of people still do see as, as favourites to win. But certainly, from Matt Warburton's side, it was credible to his coaching staff. He was give credit to the board and the fans. Um, it does seem to be an area kind of positivity. Yeah, as I say, after the the past few years, it, it's really nice um, to to have that. And Warburton, I think, is sort of, you know, there are. I mean, there are things obviously that, that that can always improve in terms of the way we're playing and, and what we're doing and how we're approaching things. And he himself says it every week. You know, we always look at how we try and make we can we can be better and things like that. Um, and and I'm glad he obviously I didn't I didn't expect him not to that he acknowledged obviously the backroom staff and as you say David Weir in that because he's very he, he's very good at emphasising how much of a team effort it all is and. Uh, just, just delighted to to really have him as a manager. You know, I could probably go on for a good hour about how much I love the guy, but um, oh dear, <laughs> exactly. Uh, nobody really wants to hear that, but nope. no, just absolutely, absolutely delighted at the moment with with how things are going. That kind of shuts off the, the Rangers, St. Mirren section talk, of this uh, the AGM could be section there. Certainly, we're coming up to Falkirk now, so. Don't, don't start Cup, this don't already, no. It is the Scottish Cup, it's the third round of the William Hill Scottish Cup. Uh, and this is really where the lower leagues, the lower league teams have their cup finals in many ways. Um, I know that there's obviously chances now that, that the dream kind of goes on. They think, well, you know, we've got games this weekend, we get through them and suddenly there's premiership teams in the mix. So we'll, we'll go through... I'll read through the fixtures first, then we'll pick out a couple and we'll talk about them. So it's Airdrie versus Brecon, Albion Rovers versus Montrose, Air played on Fermwin, Arbroath travelled to Cowden Beath, there's an old championship tied in Barton against Alloa, Elgin host Wraith, Falkirk host Fraserburgh. Tied around. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. For Martin host Cove, uh, Lothian Thistle Hutchinson Vale travel to Huntley, and Veruri play Annan, Peterhead. Host Livingston, Forfar are on the road to Queen's Park, uh, Stennis Muir play Schoolbride, Stirling play Cumbernauld, Stranar against Bucky, and final fixtures Wick Academy against Linlithgow Rose. For me, looking at those fixtures, um, there are three big kind of potential shocks. I say shocks, there's two potential shocks for me, uh, and of course, you've got the big one, I think, at Somerset between Aaron and Fermlin. I think that's probably going to be your biggest game of the weekend in terms of crowd, in terms of intensity. These two teams going great guns in the league and a right battle there, Lewis. Yeah, I think I might actually be attending this game. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, I'm not seeing the Fairman this year. I'm um, looking forward to seeing them. Um, they have a lot of very good players in their team, uh, from what I've seen. Um, a, lot, a lot of big names. Uh, but I, I, I've seen a bit of air this season. And uh, they've got a very good young team, a lot of very good young players. Obviously, the likes of Forest is a kind of key example. But uh, you know, I'm just I'm looking forward to a game between two sides that are you know, battling for the league, and you know, we'll we'll be desperate to get to the next round of the cup. 
I think it's an interesting one because they're both in the same league and usually that's a hindrance and, and puts people off but I don't think it will considering how well they're both playing um, and that, I mean, Ian McCall fancies chance to get his team through but for Dunfermline to, and I know it sounds daft but they'd have been hoping to probably not face the air in the first place but they'd been hoping to maybe put a wee cup run together this year um, they're out of the League Cup obviously Um this is their kind of only chance now to put a kind of cup run together, and I kind of fancy them to do something this year with the players they've got. So it'd be extremely disappointing for them to go out so soon if they do get knocked out on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just, I, I mean, we've, we've talked about this before. I mean, for the the kind of the clubs the size of Air and you know for the firm, and it is vital that they have some sort of a cup run whether that be the League Cup whether that be the Scottish Cup it can really change their season and, and really boost their finances for the next couple of years I mean think of like what um, the semi-final would have done for Air uh, a couple of years ago against Kilmarnock you a huge crowd there I think it was upwards uh, of 25, 26,000 it might even be more than that but uh, you know they had a huge crowd there and that would have helped them for at least the next season maybe the season after um, and, and just and just games against you know uh, big teams if you know going into the next round obviously you're talking about the big Premiership teams are, are in the next round you know that is the aim for a lot of these clubs is to get that big tie get that lucrative tie always remember going back a couple of years ago now Hibs I think made the journey down to yeah. Somerset I was watching on TV the place was packed yeah. um, and, and for there probably isn't even getting a tie away to like say Tynecastle or or that in the next round if they could get a home tie against the Premiership team hospitality would sell out the game would near enough sell out and it would be a well, great like, um, even obviously the game the only air game I've been at was when Rangers played them earlier in the season and that was pretty much a sell out and yeah. that was in the Tetrafact Training Cup I think I get com- I've kind of got early season it's League Cup uh, it's all me- messed in together but as you say you know when when air when there's a big game sort of feel around there and I know this obviously being from here uh, being at school in there there was always particularly sort of folk um, in and around the schools like the folk that maybe because there's a lot of people in here that support like English teams there's actually uh, growing up I've actually found that there's there's less people supporting Rangers and Celtic there's more English teams but those people would then go to air games when like the likes of Hibs or Kilmarnock or or Rangers were were drawn uh, against them in the cup so it definitely brings out uh, the support and as you say Lewis as well when they get to the semi-finals and things like that um, you know they, they do bring a sizable support with them so I think Aira probably one of the teams that we that, you know nothing against them firm on that but you'd probably like to see get a wee bit further just because they do they do bring something to the, to the competition I did say I could kind of pick out two potential shocks um, and it's strange that I'm saying this because it's two teams that have had very good results recently the first one is uh, Albion Rovers against Morton um, I think that you know Darren Young's side there, they're going really well uh, in League One, albeit Morton doing the same at League Two, but going to um, go, making that journey there to Clifton Hill, that will be tough. Uh, and I, I think that you know the pitch there won't be great, it'll be boggy, um, and Albion will be used to that more so than Morton. So, Lewis, do you see that one as a potential? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's a, there's a few potential shocks. I'll look at uh, Peter Head, Livingston. That was my other one. I'm going to go on to. Um, I mean, even something like Inverurie and Annan, you know, because of the big kind of journey that'll be for Annan, that's a huge trek for them. So, yeah, there's a lot of very interesting ties in this round. Um, and yeah, I, just, I, I love that. I just do love this time of year. I love Scottish Cup. It's, it's, it's brilliant. I, I think it's really when you look at it, you know, 
you look at the fixtures, one of Wick Academy and Lothgow Rose will be in the tie, like, will be in for the next round. Um, you look at even, like, the Cumbernauld, going away to Stirling, I don't think there's any reason to suggest that Cumbernauld couldn't get something there. Um, even something like Elgin and Rafe Rovers, Rovers, you know. Another one, you know, for these teams, the fact that they, they're going to have the opportunity for Martin and Cove, Huntley and uh, Lothian Thistle, Hutchinson Vale, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that well, your Premiership teams yeah. could easily be going to face. You know, I don't even know where that would be played. If it'd be played Hutchinson Vale, you know, but be you playing that game, you know, yeah. that that's the kind of romance of the cup, and this is, I think, what is the main attraction to the, the Scottish Cup ahead of your your League Cups. It's just something remarkable to me. I've certainly been over the past year embroiled in in, in the cup and. You even talk about finances, I know that that was a major, major part of the profit that likes of Falkirk have just announced. I mean, I'll not talk about our game too much because it's against Fraser Borough at the Falkirk Stadium. I think, I think you'll win very And I think, um, without being disrespectful at all, because I know that it's a game that, that the, the coaching staff and the players are taking very, very seriously. Peter Houston's been up and scouted them personally. He's videoed them personally. He's gone through analysis with all the players. He's spotted strengths, he's spotted weaknesses. Um, you've looked at the set pieces so it's been treated like any other game I think with that kind of attitude um, I, I do think that I can only see one outcome there but do you know what we've obviously been looking at Fraser Borough in recent weeks and do you know what this is their cup final I think I was expecting somewhere between four and 500 fans at least to come down yeah. from Fraser Borough because and it's they've admitted it themselves this is their cup final um, and I think the manager was in the press this morning saying that this is probably one of the biggest games of the club's history and that in itself brings its troubles for a team like Falkirk but at home I think I, I would struggle to come into the studio on Monday morning uh, without getting absolutely ridiculed <laughs> if it's anything like that in fact I don't even want to think about it because I, I, you'll not see me on Monday okay. <laughs> if, that, if that happens or ever again but you know, certainly looking at it a host of ties right across the country, going from Airdrie, Albion Rovers and Glasgow area, air mm. down this way. You've got Cowden Beath at home, which covers kind of Fife area. Get yourself out there again. You know, yeah. there's, there's no reason. This goes all the way across the country, from Peterhead to Stranra. There's teams and at Verruri. home. You know, get out there, because these are the games that, do you know what, they might not be the most prettiest football, but... They're exciting, I think, and you know what? A lot of them will be very, very tight right up to the end. I think though, of course, we replays in there um, throughout that that list of list of games, and I think it's interesting. You know, looking at the way the fixtures are, there could be some really interesting ties in the fourth round. Not because it's glamour Premiership all all Premiership ties, but because you're going to have big clubs. Uh, making journeys to unknown places and I think that's what we all love we don't want to have the same over and over again we want something different and that's certainly what the Scottish Cup offers so I think that especially in just what you're saying there especially in a kind of system where we play each other four times a season you know I think the Scottish Cup is almost a kind of welcome break from that definitely I mean even for for a team like Cumbernauld to get a chance to show they can compete with a yeah. League 2 side like Stirling it's mind games, it's psychological and that can be a boost um, going into next weekend, I think there'll be shocks I don't want to predict where they'll be um, too much because I think there's a number of games in there that you could consider shocks because there's different leagues and a right right mix because you go from as I say your highest rated team is, is Falkirk all the way down to the likes of Highland League Lowland League teams but credit to them because it, they've been on their own journey to get there and for a team like Fraserborough they deserve that day out I think 
you know, and their fans will enjoy it. I don't know what condition they'll be in when they arrive off their buses, you know, because I think it'll be an early start and plenty of drink involved. But you know what? As I say, go out there, um, go again, take in the game okay. because I think you'll enjoy what you see. That I think is all we've got time for this week. We've went through Premiership, Scottish Cup, Petrofac Cup, AGM, uh, and as we always do say, and as I've blatantly gone on and on about. Uh, get out to a game. You can get in touch with us on social media. We've gone Facebook, Burstball Scottish Football Podcast. We're on Twitter, um, at Burstball Football. We're on Snapchat now yeah. as well. Uh, so I can't remember exactly. Is it Burstball Podcast? Podcast, yeah. Uh, is, uh, Already had, I think, stuff up last night with Hamish at the Celtic game. And then, and then so, Hamish yeah. and the rest is on a night out, which wasn't meant for the Burstball Snapchat. Uh, so if you want to see that, you've got probably about two hours left to catch <laughs> that if it's still there. Um, but no, certainly, you know what? Engage with us. We want to hear your views. We want to hear your thoughts. We'll keep you updated as best we can across the weekend's action. A few of us are heading out to different games, so watch out on our social media channels for that. We'll be back on Monday with the fallout from the Scottish Cup, from the Premiership, uh, and the stories that are bound to follow throughout the weekend. Uh, I've been Connor Park. I want to thank Lewis Kemp and Carl Fisher for joining me in the studio, Tamish Carton for joining me on the line, uh, and enjoy your football this weekend wherever you end up. <laughs>